to the PCRS One Airway One Disease podcast series. PCRS is grateful to Glenmark Pharmaceuticals Europe Limited for the provision of a grant for this series. The grant funder has had no input into the content. Welcome to the second session that we have for PCRS around rhinitis. Hopefully you will have already listened to and experienced our first session. This session is going to be led by myself. My name is Ren Lawler. I'm the vice chair for the exec and the chair of the education committee. I work as an advanced nurse practitioner and academic tutor in South East London, and I'm joined with Catherine Hickman, who I'm going to hand over to introduce herself. Thanks, Ren. So my name is Catherine Hickman. So I'm a GP working in Bradford and I'm the current chair of the Primary Care Respiratory Society. And I um, am delighted to be here uh, in my role as a GP, but also GP with a respiratory interest and respiratory lead for West Yorkshire uh, ICS as well. And looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks so much. So I, I think my my first kind of question, it's not even a question, my first kind of opening to a discussion is uh, why are we talking about rhinitis? Why are we talking about the nose? We're the primary care respiratory society. So, so, so where has this come from? And you know what? If you'd asked me this question not that long ago, I'd have been exactly like, I have absolutely no idea why you're asking me about the nose because, <laughs> you know, I think asthma, I think lungs. I don't think about nose I think about ear nose and throat but actually as was covered in in the first podcast we know that it is one airway and it goes from the nose the nasal vestibule all the way down into the alveoli and if we don't think about treating symptoms of the nose we will never get the symptoms of um, the, the airways under control. So if you've got somebody with poorly controlled uh, asthma or breathing or wheeze or symptoms from the respiratory tract, if you're not tackling the fact that they've got a blocked or runny nose, you're never going to get on top mm. of, of both of them. It's interesting. It's a really historic thing, isn't it? So, you know, even the way we've been taught in the past, you think respiratory, you think lungs, you think cardiovascular, you think heart. But actually, I think the way that we're moving on now is to to start to think of things a little bit more extensively in terms of the whole system. So that said, what actually is allergic rhinitis? What are we dealing with here? Yeah, and, and just going back to the first comment, actually, I've just it's just occurred to me that we routinely have asked about hay fever, haven't we? So when we talk about mm. hay, have you got any hay, hay fever? Have you got any eczema? Tick, tick, tick. But actually, when they say yes, are we fully dealing with the fact that they've said that they've got hay fever. So um, allergic rhinitis is inflammation of the mucosa that uh, lines the the nasal passages. And, you know, that increase in inflammation leads to a number of symptoms which might just be mild. So a bit of a sniff or the, the, the nose dripping leading to full on nasal blockage or eye symptoms and sneezing and a, a, a real impact on the quality of life of, of patients suffering with it. And and I think really unpleasant. We, yeah, we need to take yeah. it we need to take it seriously because I think like lots of things in medicine, mm. patients have normalized it a bit. 
So interesting. That was so. That was my next question. Is this something we should routinely be asking in our annual reviews? For example, is it is it something that patients recognise as a problem, or do they are they accepting? So I think the fact that I said that, um, you know, as a GP, not that long ago, I wasn't making that connection between nose and lungs mm. means that for the patients out there, very often they're not making that connection either. So it should absolutely be part of the annual review. And again, we should normalize these conversations. It should be as as normal to ask them, are you taking your steroid, uh, you know, inhaler medicine mm. on a regular basis? Have you got any nose symptoms? Because if we don't ask, it's very unlikely that they will tell us Yeah. because they're not making that connection. Yes, I've got absolutely. asthma. Yes, I've got a runny nose, but I'm not going to tell you about my runny nose in my asthma review because this is about my asthma. Yeah. So, so on the back of that, it leads really nicely into so how how are we going to make that diagnosis? Like, how do we, in, in primary care we have a patient, as you say, come in for their their asthma or, or even their COPD review, something like that, um, and they come in and we obviously go through their their asthma and their COPD and the symptoms and the templates and all that kind of stuff. So, how do we pick up on that? What should we be asking them? So I would put it out there, you know, ha have you had any problems with your nose? Any any blocked nose or any runny nose? Um, maybe go further and ask them about, you know, nighttime symptoms. So are you snoring? Uh, is Are your nose symptoms keeping you awake? Um, with blockage obviously comes, um, you know, a reduced sense of smell. Um, I know I've touched on the fact that we we tend to ask about hay fever when we're making that initial diagnosis of asthma, but actually we need to keep asking about that at annual review. So have you got hay fever? Uh, you know, are you, you know, again, people might normalize it and say that, you know, think that they've just got a, a permanent cold, whereas actually it's not a cold, yeah. is it? It's it's potentially a, an, an allergy that's causing those symptoms. Um, are you blowing your nose? Have other people noticed about you sniffing? Have you got yeah. a blocked nose? Any itching yeah. as well, that sort of like constant sort of feeling of irritation of the, the nasal passages and uh, and whether their eyes are affected as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the, the difficulty I would have then asking them about that, I mean, we touched on hay fever. There's, uh, is there other triggers that, that, that they might have? Should we be asking them about patterns or anything? Yeah, so again, and, and it's important that we that we make this routine in any asthma review. So it's not just about the nose symptoms, but also the, the triggers that are making their um, asthma symptoms bad, but it's similarly for, for the nose. So again, asking them about irritants. So are they uh, a smoker? Are they living with a smoker? Things about uh, pets as well and or specific times of the year that this it may be worse so is it you know typically in the the summer months but equally it may be in in the winter uh so you know mm -hmm. asking them about specifics that you know if they can really think back to to what what might make this worse and it might be that they can't they can't actually think about it um there mm -hmm. and then but it, again keeping some sort of diary as to symptoms and what's what's exacerbating it um may help with that so it might come back to them as they as they start to think of it and experience it if you're the one that's opened that kind of thought process in their mind. 
Yeah, I mean, even making the link, you know, even just going to see a relative with a dog or a cat, they may yeah. not have made that link. But actually, every time I visit Granny, I come away and I've got a, a blocked runny nose. I'm sneezing. They may not have made that link that it might be the the dander from the cat. Yeah, yeah. So, so from a physical sort of assessment point of view, what should we be looking for? I mean, we're assessing these patients. Is there something we can look for? Is there an examination we can do? Yeah, definitely. And, and and again, this is something that I, you know, hadn't wasn't specifically aware of um a few years ago. But um the the the, the salute that patients do whereby they're um <laughs> constantly wiping their nose with their hands, something yeah. my kids do, but they haven't got allergic rhinitis. Okay. Um and, and what that can lead to is is this horizontal crease. Um, on the nose okay. which once once you've seen it you'll never forget it and 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 patients look at you quite strangely when you say uh, are you constantly wiping your nose and they're like how do you know that I said, well mm. because I can see that you've you know you've actually developed a crease uh, yeah. on on your nose yeah oh wow okay and is that something is that something that you would see also in line uh with uh, do we need to talk about polyps? Do we need to be actually looking inside the nose? Do we need to be doing that routinely? Are on your reviews or? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think if you're, I mean, you may not be confident looking up up the nose, but I think it's again, it's making it routine. And the more noses mm. you look up, the more, um, the more affair you become with what is normal and what is not normal. And and it might be that you look up a nose and that you know they're describing symptoms of allergic rhinitis, but there may be nothing to see. But, um, it, you know, when you look up, you may see some some inflammation um, and it may be very sensitive as well. If you if you were to, if you were to touch it, it, it may be quite, quite painful as well. And, and obviously it may be just absolutely full of, of snot and you don't see very much. Um, yeah. The other thing is to 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 become you know good at is identifying when patients have have polyps. So classically, they are uh, not tend to touch and they tend to be uh pale uh, rather than the the turbinates which you look up when you when you see them they tend to be more mm. red red color and can be inflamed okay so 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 i know certainly for me uh, a sort of you know if i was to see polyps or anything certainly uh, unilaterally I'd, I'd feel a little bit concerned about that so around that kind of thing if we're thinking of red flags what 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 should we be looking for in terms of things that would concern us yeah, so I mean, you you mentioned about the the unilateral symptoms of you know or signs of the the polyps, and actually any unilateral symptoms would would trigger a red flag in my head. So if somebody is coming with a unilateral nasal discharge or unilateral blockage, then that would that would be a, a sign for me to actually this patient needs further investigation from ENT. Again, things like. Uh, epistaxis so if you if you know you're getting recurrent nosebleeds and or um heavily bloodstained nasal discharge you know it it might be because of allergic rhinitis but i would if i you know if if i was a gp seeing that i would want i want to get that investigated more thoroughly mm. and also uh, nasal pain as well again it's not it's not normal classically to get that with allergic rhinitis so just some of the things that would would make me think actually this is something potentially yeah. more serious and if if just around the, the the kind of red flag thing, I mean, certainly I've I've had patients who have been absolutely brilliant at taking their nasal sprays, uh, and they have their technique right as well, and they've taken them for you know consistently for maybe four, six, eight weeks, 
uh, with no kind of improvement whatsoever. What what would you say that we should be doing at that point if there's no improvement? So again, this is very similar to asthma, isn't it? So once you've checked their technique and the fact that they are taking it regularly and they're kind of those good patients and it's mm. not getting better, then again, that I think that would be a referral into secondary care. You know, they they may need uh, further further treatment that we can't provide in in primary care. And at this point, this would this would be an ENT referral, despite the the you know the the, the kind of one airway. At this point, we would be yes. thinking ENT. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so hypothetically, let's say there's no polyps. We know there's a there's an allergic element. We've got their triggers. How are we going to treat it? And and how are we going to put that? How are we going to put that in their management plan in terms of their asthma or their COPD? Should we be incorporating it in their in their plan? So I think I mean we're not going to go into huge huge depths about the the treatment of allergic rhinitis because it will be covered in in the next podcast. But I think. What can be transformational for patients, particularly patients who are struggling uh, getting their asthma under control, is to alert them to the fact that actually if we treat your nasal symptoms, we might actually be able to get your asthma better under control. And we, you know, we talk to people all the time about inhaled corticosteroids for their, uh, you know, for the airways, for their asthma. Mm. Well, actually, it's very similar for allergic rhinitis and, you know, thinking about treating with a, um, a a nasal corticosteroid and or antihistamines can be transformational for patients, mm. not just for the nasal symptoms, but also for their asthma symptoms as well. And do you think there's a, a difficulty or do you have a strategy around that if you've got maybe a patient or or maybe a parent of a child where we're saying let's introduce another form of, of what they hear as steroids alongside their inhaled corticosteroids alongside their topical steroids for their asthma is there is there a way that uh you would sort of broach that with uh with a patient or with a parent of a patient yeah i mean it's important consideration isn't it because um you know we come up we come up against patients not wanting to take steroids all the time don't we so i think Mm. it's not just talking about treatment it's also thinking about avoidance as well so avoiding those triggers so it's it's a great opportunity to talk about smoking so if you've got adults in the house who are smoking you maybe not well a you need to offer them support but also talking to them about the having a no smoke zone inside the house and or in the car so closing the door and walking seven steps uh, away from the house is is one thing but I suppose what what you can talk to them about is the the idea of treatment for both asthma and allergic rhinitis is getting patients on the lowest dose of steroid possible. So actually, if you are going to have uh, good adherence and good technique for both the uh, the asthma and or the allergic rhinitis, you can hopefully get you know potentially reduce the amount of steroids that you're giving them because it's possible that they're on a high dose of inhaled corticosteroid because their asthma symptoms are not controlled because they've got allergic rhinitis so what you can say to them actually if we treat the nose we can then reduce your asthma symptoms and then reduce the inhaled corticosteroids that way but actually if we don't treat the nose we're just going to continue cranking up the therapy that that we're giving you and potentially you know not 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 getting things under control and possibly that could lead to exacerbations, flare-ups, whereby we start looking at oral corticosteroids, and and that's a a, a definite kind of increase in in treatment that we we every guideline on the planet now would say that we want to to avoid, right? Exactly that, and so 
our aim, I suppose, is to prevent that at all costs because it's it's so often not necessary. And the fact that they're getting flare up of their asthma and having to be treated with oral corticosteroids, actually, if we sorted out the nose with a low dose um, inhaled corticosteroid, then we could we could avoid that. And and that that might be the hook. That's the selling point to them that actually, <laughs> if we can get this in you now, we'll prevent much higher doses of oral corticosteroids yeah. down the line. I think I think that's that's seriously important in terms of those groups of patients that we have that may be slightly more anxious about treatment. So sort of parents of children, pregnancy, for example, those those kind of groups that want to minimize uh, the in the, the intake, I guess, of, of that word steroid, isn't it? Uh, that yeah. makes people kind of a little bit uh, a bit nervy. Yeah. So okay, so we have a good plan. We're going to to look at that. What if it doesn't work in primary care? What if it doesn't work? What do we do next? So again, it's 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 going back to basics. It's making sure that you've taken that good history, done that examination, checked adherence, checked technique check that you've got the right diagnosis so it might be that you know are there other investigations that you want to do is there something else causing this so I, I think what I can struggle with sometimes is it's one airway but you're almost treating two separate things it's two systems yeah it sometimes it can be difficult to unravel as to what's worked and what's not worked so sometimes it has to be a case of not stopping everything but maybe stopping stopping the nose treatment see if you can improve the asthma treatment and so i it's it's a bit of it's a bit of trial and error it sounds like that sounds a bit like sort of witchcraft but at, at the end of the day if you've gone as far as you can with regards to mm. history examination and trial of treatment then it may be appropriate to refer again yeah and i guess you know taking into account obviously adherence technique smoking all those other kind of things would be optimized that that kind of therapy in primary care and and then if not then 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 kind of move on so i have i have one more kind of interesting question for us a little bit of an experiencing for me i've i've, I've been around colleagues who talk about uh, oral prednisolone uh, in terms of uh, specifically allergic uh, rhinitis in the same way that we kind of consider it around urticaria and, and, and that kind of thing. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are around that. Do you think this should be given routinely or? So, I mean, patients love getting prednisone because uh, mm. it, it transforms them. Their quality of life goes, yeah, gets better overnight. And, and you know what, they, they have a place, but it's, it, it it's rare. It's, mm. you know, but we, you have, you have to take everyone, at, you know, individual level, and if somebody has got um, an exam or they're getting married, actually, this can be the difference between passing and, and failing. And actually, a managed short course of prednisolone absolutely has its place. But it, it should be a rare thing and it should not be routine um, with uh, the majority of patients. And actually, Although it's easier to take a short course of prednisolone, once you stop that prednisolone, the symptoms are going to come back. And this is yeah. about this is very much about preventing it affecting your life on a daily basis. So I suppose the, the, the conversation needs to be we're considering this because we know it works short term. The actual risks of long term uh, is is obviously not worth it. But the benefits are very short term for this specific moment in your life uh, may be yes. kind of beneficial. 
Yeah, and it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and it, you, you've got to pick the right patient because it it can sometimes become a bit like the conversation with you know sleeping tablets. I'm just going yeah. to give you this. It's just going to be a short course, and I'm not going to give you it again. And then you know, six years down the line, they're still having this, and it's, yeah. still, it's still on the well, move, moving on to the next clinician. Saying my last clinician yeah. going to be this. Yeah. Why on earth wouldn't you? It made me feel amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we feel like the baddie when we when we when of we course. try not to give them something that makes them feel amazing. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, I mean, that's I mean, that's really helpful. And, and I suppose my 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 last sort of question to you, um, if you don't mind, is is any kind of top tips? If you it, you know, is there a kind of sort of top five or or, or something like that, that 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 we out in practice should be should be thinking about? So, I think first and foremost is that if we don't ask about it then patients won't tell us about it. So just getting into our heads that this is one airway from our nose all the way down to mm. our alveoli. So yet yeah, normalise it. it. You know, if anybody is listening to this and they're involved in, in templates, then it's really important that you get this as part of a template. Add it. And add it. Add it into your template. Add it into your template, yes. but also wrap that around with some education mm. when uh, you know when when you're releasing your template um that actually this is why you're doing it and it's not just a tick box exercise actually if you're asking a patient about their nose and they've got nasal symptoms then if you treat that then it may very likely uh, improve their asthma symptoms as well it can make all the difference all the difference yeah yeah really important to remember that it's not just in the summer so um you know there are pollens throughout the year different pollens um so so it may be that p- patient symptoms get worse in in the winter months um because of particular pollens that are released mm-hmm. into the atmosphere so don't just think summer hay fever if you haven't got that then you haven't got allergic rhinitis i i know that they will cover this uh in in the the next in the next podcast but it is absolutely paramount to get the technique right when you are taking your nasal spray, because mm-hmm. just the same with uh, inhalers for your asthma CPD, if you don't take it right, it's not going to get in the right place. And, you know, you may end up having unnecessary examinations or referrals, be- but actually simply being able to take the nasal spray right, um, you know, could have mm-hmm. saved all that. And I think we touched on it before that actually this is mu- it's much better to prevent rather than to treat reactively. So there's all about this is all about proactive management um, and and actually making sure that patients get the treatment in early. And when we say early, I mean like and again they will discuss this in the next podcast. But actually starting Pre-season. way before their symptoms yeah. come on. Yeah. So two or three months. Exactly. And it's interesting that so there's um, I was doing a, a course in just as a complete aside in sort of herbal medicine, uh, not herbal medicine, but plant medicine, things like that. And there was something that I was told that there's certain sort of tree pollens and grass pollens that may only germinate every five to seven years. So I, I think another thing is it's really important to ask every single review, ask every uh, time you see that patient. Because it may be that for four years they don't have hay fever, but the following year they do. Wow. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah. That's, a, that's a nugget. It's a, it's a nugget, absolutely. Yeah, but that, but and again, why it's so important to have it as part of as part of the template to normalise it and talk to mm. patients. And you know what? They will be glad that you're bringing it up. 
yeah. because so often people don't take it seriously. And and again, it's like so many things. Smokers normalize their cough. Yeah. People with chronic cough normalize their cough, and people with nasal symptoms normal. And you know, and and people with asthma as well. They, they, yeah. It just seems like we sort of patients with respiratory disease so often normalize their symptoms, which you would not put up with with so many other things. Yeah. We don't normalize chest pain, do we? But we just normalize. We just put people up with get it. they get they get on with it. Yeah, they're That's fighters. Good. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That's really really helpful information. Oh, thank you. I'm so so pleased that we've we've done this this second part to this uh, this uh, three part series, and um, my understanding is that the next uh, podcast in this series of three is all going to be about, as you said earlier, uh, treatment and the more kind of pharmacotherapy kind of side of things, um, and that sort of thing as well. So I, I really hope that you've enjoyed uh, listening to this podcast, um, Catherine. Thank you so much uh, for giving us your time and expertise. Thank you, Ren. And please do join us for number three. We look forward to to seeing you and, and, and spending time with you again then. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. For more information about One Airway One Disease, please visit pcrs-uk.org forward slash one hyphen airway hyphen one hyphen disease.